I mean in 1867, a fellow by the name of William McKay, he wrote these songs that I'm, he wrote these words that I'm sure will be very familiar to you. See if you recognize them. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. How many here have ever experienced a revival? Not many. How many here believe that we need a revival? How many here want to see a revival? Leonard Ravenhill said these words, as we are content to live without revival, we will. As long as we are content to live without revival, we will. As I look at the state of America, as I look at the state of the church, as I look at the state of people's lives, you know what I've come to the conclusion? We're happy. We're content. There are things that bother us, but we don't really want to pay the price of what revival brings and what it means. Rodney Smith, I'm sure that name means absolutely nothing to you. Some may know him as Gypsy Smith. He was born in 1860 in a tent. In Wanstead, England, just six miles northeast of London, he was raised in a gypsy camp, and he did not go a single day to school. Yet his life affected millions of people through his preaching. 
At the age of 16, he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ and a fellow by the name of General William Booth. Now there's a name, General William Booth. He joined his mission, which later became the Salvation Army. And Gypsy Smith was there for six years, got his training, and went out as an evangelist. And he affected countries like Britain, America, Australia, and South Africa. He is most famous for this quote that many people use in various ways concerning revival. You want a revival? Gypsy Smith says, go home, lock yourself in a room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, and take a piece of chalk and mark all around you, and ask God to start the revival inside that chalk mark. When he has answered your prayer, the revival will be on its way. We all want a revival, but you know where revival starts? Right within our own heart. Would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? I'm going to ask you, can we read it together from on the screen? Ezekiel chapter 37. Reading it together. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me in the middle of a valley... It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The famous evangelist, Billy Sunday, was once asked by this woman, why do you keep on having revivals when they don't last? Billy Sunday, in his wisdom, replied to this woman, why do you keep taking baths? What is a revival? A renewal? A spiritual emphasis week? Webster defines revival as a return to life from death. A return to life from death. Revival brings something back to life that was either now dead or seemingly dead. First, what I want to do this morning is I want to identify these bones. As we read in our scripture verse that Ezekiel was led to a valley that was full of bones. And as the Lord led him back and forth, back and forth, he saw great many Dry bones. Now, if you don't know this story in the Bible, if you're not familiar with this passage of Scripture, if you've never read it before, you would think that these bones are those of unbelievers because there's so many of them. But as you get down to the 11th verse 
of chapter 37, we find that these bones are the whole house of Israel. That these bones belong to the people of God. And that these bones were very dry. I was interested in that word dry, so I did a little word study on it this week. Yavash is the Hebrew word. And it has different meanings. One of the meanings is that it means to be taken captive. And we know that from the context of Ezekiel's day that the children of God were away from their homeland living in captivity in Babylon. What I also found very interesting about this word is that it's found in Numbers chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, where it says this. Here's the children of the Lord complaining. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics, the cannolis. Well, maybe. But now we have lost our appetite. In the King James it says, and now our soul is dry. And I thought that was an interesting translation of the word dry, that we have lost our appetite. Our soul is dry. As Ezekiel was walking through this valley and saw these bones, he, he realized that these were the people of God who were being held in captivity. The bones of the people of God who literally have lost their appetite for God. How does one in the world lose their appetite for God? And all of a sudden, I started to think about Jesus' parable and the sower of the seeds. A man went out to sow some seeds, and some fell on the wayside, and birds of the air came and, and ate them before they were even able to take root. Some of the seeds fell among the rocky soil and they sprung up quickly. But because they had no roots, the sun scorched them and they died. And then it says this. Others fell among the thorns. The ones who received the seed that fell among the thorns is like the man who hears the word of God. But check this out. The worries of this life. Do you know that the worries of this life, the fears of this life, can hold you captive? And literally, your appetite for God can wane because of the fear and the worry. It also says that their uh, deceitfulness of wealth do you know that there are some people who are held captive by their material possessions? And not only held captive by their material possessions, it also goes on to say that the desires for other things, desires for other things. How many know that envy 
jealousy, want can hold you captive. Where they were, it says, making him unfruitful. As these children of God were in captivity and they lost their appetite for God. How many of us have lost our appetite for God because we have been held captive by our worries and our fears. We've been held captive by our material possessions. We've been held captive by our needs and our wants and desires. I read a devotional book every morning by Andrew Murray, and Andrew Murray is one of my, probably one of my top ten favorite authors. He says this, a true revival means nothing less than a revolution. Casting out the spirit of worldliness and selfishness and making God and his love triumph in our hearts. What's the solution? What's the remedy for spiritual dryness? What's the remedy for a loss of appetite? Ezekiel is asked this important question. Son of man, can these bones live? This valley I have shown you is all lost or is there hope? Son of man, can these bones live? I believe he was asked that question and see how he would answer. Please note Ezekiel did not tell God, you know, God, I know of a good worship song we could sing. And if we started singing this song, I know that these bones would come to life. He didn't respond that way, did he? He did not respond by saying, well, I know of a four series sermon I could give. He didn't even say, well, you know, I know of this program we could implement. You know, Lord, if we could pack all these bones up and ship them to this conference that is being held next week, I know that these bones would come alive. Lord, I know of a great preacher. If he were invited, these bones would come alive. How did he respond? Oh, sovereign Lord. You alone know. Only God can bring us revival. Only God can bring something back to life. Only God can restore appetite. Only God can take that which is dry and make it fresh once again. How does God choose to move when he brings about revival? As I look at our passage in Ezekiel chapter 37, I noted these four things, and we're going to move through them very, very quick this morning. 
How many know that God moves by his hand? The hand of the Lord was upon me. How many know that God moves by his hand? With every revival, it has had the hand of God upon it. God's hand. I equate God's hand to God's favor. When we pray for God's favor, we're praying for God's hand to be upon us. In Acts chapter 11, remember when the church at Jerusalem was persecuted and it scattered? Some people went out and they were sharing their faith. Well, a group went to Antioch and they were sharing the faith of Jesus Christ with the Greeks. And it says that the hands of the Lord was upon them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. People turned to the Lord. A great number. Why? Because it was the hand of the Lord. 2 Kings 3.15 says that the hand of the Lord was upon Elisha. Isaiah says that the Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me. You've you heard me talk about my good friend Frank Gashion. Frank is a number of years older than me. He's like a father figure to me. And I remember the many times when Frank would take his big, burly hands, place them upon my shoulder and say, Hey, hey, Pastor. Wow. God moves by his hand. Secondly, God moves by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of of the Lord led me out. It says that the hand of the Lord was upon him and that his spirit led him out. A revival is always a working of God's spirit among his people. Remember when Jesus went back after his temptation wilderness he went back to Nazareth and he went into the temple that day and they handed him the scroll for the daily reading and I and Jesus turned to where he unrolled to where he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor he sent me to proclaim freedom for those prisoners for those who are held captive to recover sight to the blind to release the oppression to restore appetite for the things of god to proclaim the year's favor of the lord god moves by his hand god moves by his spirit How many also know that God moves by his word? Charles Spurgeon in his book, Lectures to My Students, said this. If we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for his word. We must revive our reverence, our respect, our holy fear for his word. Revival will bring a freshness to God's word. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-given. And do you know what Scripture is useful for? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Oh, how we need to have an appetite with his, for his word where, where we can't do without it. Just like your pastor can't do, go a couple days without a cannoli. You, you can't go a couple days without his word. God moves by his hand. God moves by his spirit. God moves by his word. Charles Finney, I, I know Pastor Bonnie, you've read a lot of Charles Finney's books on revival. Charles Finney says this, revival is nothing more or nothing less than a new beginning of obedience to God's word. God moves by his hand, God moves by his spirit, God moves by his word. And how many know that God moves through men and women? Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. How many know that when revival comes, a dormant church will become like a vast army? How many know that when revival comes, there's a return to worship? There's a return to the destruction of idols. There's a separation from sin. There's a return to the offering of sacrifices. There's a great restoration of joy and thanksgiving and celebration. Let it breathe on me. Let him breathe on me. Let the breath of God now breathe on me. Let it breathe on me. Let it breathe on me. Let the breath Sing it one more time. Let him breathe. 
Leonard Ravenhill says, real revival does not begin with joyous singing. It begins with conviction. Boy, you don't hear much of personal convictions today, do you? And repentance on the part of Christians. Paul told the church at Corinth that a man, a woman, ought to examine themselves before they partake. As those who are serving the elements would come at this time, could we just bow our heads and have we lost our appetite for the things of God? Have we become captive to our material have we become captive by worries and fears have we become captives 
to that which we want? Is there, is there a desire for more things instead of more of God? Revival begins with conviction and repentance. Forgive me, O oh God. We ask the wait till everyone is part and served, and then we will all partake together.